0: Concerning Him, an Emmaus podcast is a ministry of Emmaus Bible College. Concerning Him seeks to enrich Christians around the globe by educating and equipping them through various media. For more information about Emmaus, please visit Emmaus.edu. Hello and welcome to another episode of Concerning Him, an Emmaus podcast. We're joined once again by J.J. Routley. Uh, biblical studies professor here at Emmaus, director of the archaeology program. You call it a program or you call it a minor?
1: It's a minor.
0: It's a minor, okay. It's a
1: subset of the Bible department. So. Okay.
0: J.J. Uh, Routley, if you want to learn more about him, the beginning of his first podcast, we did a little intro and background. Go ahead and listen to that. That was on Joshua as a type of Christ. Uh but uh, today, I think we're just going to get straight into it. Thanks for coming on today, JJ.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. I'm we, excited to talk about this topic.
0: Yes, we are. We are too. Today, we're going to be talking about Christian deconstruction. Um, you you tackled this in a series of two articles for uh, concerninghim.com. Go ahead and check those out uh, on concerninghim.com. <laughs> but uh, you you tackled the, this topic, and, and just to start out with, why? Did you want to write an article about deconstruction?
1: Well, it just sort of goes with my personality. I really like controversial things and just (laughs) poking the bear, making people mad. And No, I I think this is an important topic, um, conversation in contemporary Christianity, because it is one of the... more controversial hot button topics of our day. It touches on a number of different things as we're going to get to. I think it's the term itself, uh, from what I've seen, has been used in a wide variety of ways. Um, and sometimes you have well intentioned followers of Christ. Uh, who are really talking past each other because they're using the term in different ways without really setting the table for, okay, this is, this is how I'm defining um, what deconstruction is. So part of my goal in writing those two articles was to sort of say, okay, w- we need to back up before we even get into some of the, the details here and lay some of the ground rules for what we're actually trying to get at. How, how is this term used? What are the ways that people are employing it? And then with those understandings, maybe we can have a little better approach as to how to respond to the different types of ways that they're being used. Um, it also gets into different people sort of bringing to the table their pre-understandings, predispositions toward the term. Some people view it very negatively. Uh, some people are very, very positive toward the prospect of deconstruction. And uh, you have uh, genuine believers really on both sides of the conversation for different reasons and different purposes. So I think it helps to be aware of of all of that. That was really my heart in saying uh, you know, labeling the article for deconstructions. There are probably quite a few more than four. And as we get into the details of some of these, I think really the a few of the categories overlap in some ways. And so I, I don't consider this like the authoritative article on deconstructionism. I do think it's helpful to understand some of the, and maybe categorize some of the types of ways that it is employed today.
0: Well, and that was one of the things I appreciated about these articles is rather than just saying deconstruction is great. Everybody should do it. Or deconstruction is wrong. <laughs> what are you thinking? Uh, it's apostasy. That's it, right? You you said, well, hold on. There's There's a ton of ways people are using these terms. So yeah. really the meat of both of your articles was attempting to define and give examples of these four different types of deconstruction. Right. Um, Do you want to walk us through those four categories that you you came up with?
1: And again, these categories are not meant to be definitive or everybody needs to use these. These are just my own, uh, you know, fallible thoughts on, The topic here. So I I divided them up into really four types of classification. So the first one would be the category of uh, deconstruction as refinement, sanctification. And I sort of, in the way that I put these articles forward, presented myself in this category um, in my early 20s, uh, toward 30s, where I was Uh, you know, post-college experience and so had some biblical knowledge and background from growing up in a conservative evangelical church and going to uh, Bible college. I went to Emmaus Bible College for (laughs) one year. I'm an alumnus. Should have went for four. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And, uh, with that knowledge, though, I, I still finished up college and then began to have a lot of questions about, particularly at the time, it was uh, sort of trendy to question church practice. Mm. Um, this was the era of the emergent church mm-hmm. and Rob Bell and some of these other figures. And so there was a lot of questioning, why do we do church the way that we do it? And that continues today in some uh, venues as well. So I started thinking through those questions and, and uh, really just um, seeking a lot of guidance from Scripture, from other people in my local church, from friends and family members as far as why do we um, participate in church the way that we do. Now, it, of course, it's not limited to ecclesiology. This could really extend to all types of doctrinal understanding, your understanding of the Word of God. But I think the the key points of this category are um, individuals who are uh, sincere in their faith and yet attempting to uh, understand better why they believe what they believe, why they practice the beliefs that they have in their everyday life, in their church, in their family, in their home all of those things
0: correct correct me if i'm wrong when i was reading this another type of person that i i thought about in this category would be somebody that grew up with uh maybe a significant amount of legalism mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. they, they've got all these extra rules and and specific ways that they think you have to live the christian life by right. following all these rules and as they grow in their faith they're coming to realize you know in in the desire to walk with the lord right yeah. they're they're coming to realize okay this isn't, these. it's not follow all these steps in order to please the Lord, that's not how, how it works. And that's not a, it wasn't a, a, a trying to, to get away from God, it was an attempt to, to come closer to God, but they're deconstructing, right, kind of the, some of these extra biblical practices that they grew up with.
1: Right, so a big part of this is really analyzing the traditions that you receive, mm-hmm. whether in church or in your family life, Analyzing those in light of the Word of God, and does it match up, or are there things that, um, you know, people may be very well-intentioned in the church and home, um, but sometimes we misconvey what Scripture says, misunderstand it. Um, because of uh, indwelling sin and all of this. And so, uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, There are a lot of, uh, part of the hard part of of categorizing (laughs) these is there are so many different variations. It's Mm -hmm, hard to mm -hmm. sort of put them into broad um, uh, groups, but that's what I've attempted to do for
0: (laughs) better and worse.
1: Um, so, yeah, that's the first category. Second category would be, um, I've, I've defined it as doubt and struggle, deconversion as doubt and struggle. And again, I think this is an appropriate category uh, for followers of Christ. There are um, true and legitimate times in our lives where we may be confronted with uh, real struggles of faith, um, doubts. Um, that don't necessarily demonstrate our own unbelief, but challenge our faith. Um, And the way that we respond to that um, can be either very detrimental for our spiritual lives or ultimately can serve to draw us closer to the Lord. Um, There can be all kinds of reasons for doubt and struggle. It can be traumatic experiences. It can be experiences of suffering and pain. Um, It can be uh, all all types of things. So almost impossible to say this is what leads to doubt and struggle in the Christian life. But uh, as far as this goes, uh, my uh, sentiment here is um, I don't think that um, doubt itself— when it comes into our Christian lives, um, the experience itself is not something that's inherently sinful for us so long as we respond in the appropriate way. And that's really the, the key, the test of faith here. Um, I think doubt is to be assumed with the human condition uh, at present. Um but we are not to embrace it and sort of become comfortable with it. We're to work through it positively in light of scripture. Um, it should ultimately serve, I think, to bring us back to the Lord and teach us more about
0: his character. That makes sense. I feel like with doubt there's there's been a big conversation in recent years about this this word with, mm-hmm. with Christianity, obviously related to deconstruction. And and I feel like there's, there's a fine line between, between saying something like doubt is is normal for the Christian, doubt will happen. Um, you know, it, it's good to help people either learn how to cope with, or not cope, but learn how to work through doubt that's happening now or to mm-hmm. prepare them, prepare them for the future. But there's a fine line between saying that and saying doubt is good and right. you should be doubting and you should be seeking it out. Right. Um, and I, I think that's, it's an important distinction that we have to make, and in a lot of ways, it might be the difference between category two and category three. Yeah, I was
1: I was thinking that exact thing. I think that's that's one of the ways reasons why I tried to delineate between this category of doubt and struggle. And largely, perhaps it depends on the individual's response to those doubts and struggles as to whether they they fall into the second category or the third category. The, the real key difference that I put into writing uh, between the second and the third category I've labeled uh, spiritual disillusionment and despair. Uh, I think that the key differences here are um, sort of the underlying presupposition through the experiences of doubt and struggle. Uh, in the second category, there is sort of the predisposition toward faith, whereas in the third category, there's more of a critical spirit, critical heart attitude toward the things of God that seems to be more predisposed toward unbelief. Um. And, uh, you know, I am admittedly not a psychologist. I I don't know the uh, inner workings of the human psyche that well, uh, except as is recorded for us um, and what I can observe through the Word of God. And I think you can move from the second category into the third category, um, uh, largely because of not handling doubts and struggles appropriately um, through the lens of Scripture, examining your own experience in light of Scripture. Maybe, and this might be too simplistic of a way to view it, but it seems like another difference between the two categories. In the first category, the real weight of authority is still with the Word of God. Whereas in the third category, the weight of authority seems to be shifting toward my own experiences and what's going on. And and I start to reread and reinterpret God's word in light of my life situations there. Um, the fourth category then would be what I would see sort of going off the, the deep end then mm. as far as— um, Uh, Christian life goes. Um, Deconstruction that leads to uh, what is popularly termed today, deconversion. Uh, The biblical term is apostasy. I Mm -hmm. mean, really no major distinction should be drawn between those two things. Um, And so that's a big part of the reason why I'm very hesitant to recommend this type of terminology um, to individuals who are experiencing either the questioning of their faith or the doubting and the struggle experiences of their faith because of the um, deconversion um, or, or I should say popularization of mm-hmm. deconversion mm-hmm. Uh, and apostasy in recent years. It's, it's almost gotten to the point where, you know, as zealous as people are when they come to faith in Christ— and have such a conversion experience. The individuals who have apostatized in recent years oftentimes ju- have just as zealous of a story that they want to tell, of how they were found, but now they're lost, to sort of reverse um Newton's Amazing Grace there. And and they really latch on to this, and and there are a lot of people that are drawn to this, having maybe grown up in the church, but they've never really internalized the truth of the Word of God for themselves. And when their experience um, is um, made to sort of wrestle with the Word of God, uh, what ends up happening is an abandonment of the faith that they've received.
0: And when people read an article or listen to a sermon or a podcast or something and, and they hear or read somebody say, deconstruction is sin. Deconstruction is stay away from it. It's all bad. They're, they're really talking about this category for the most part. Maybe yeah. maybe the third category. But for the most part, you, you end up seeing them say, it's really a, 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 a term used to disguise apostasy, right? It's It's people trying to... Uh, make it fashionable to leave the faith,
1: right? So I, I have some, you know, good uh, online acquaintances that have, I think, very well-meaningly warned against, you know, don't don't use the terminology of deconstruction, or more simply, don't deconstruct. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but again, my my response to this is, uh, if how are you using the term? Mm-hmm. If you're using it in the sense of leaving the faith of course don't we don't advocate for uh, deconversion or apostasy yeah. or anything like that um, the un- unfortunately though I think some who are in maybe the first two categories are using that term in a slightly different way or um, they're, you know, hearing some of these other friends that they have talking about deconstruction of uh, aspects of their faith that are not truly biblical. Um, and so it gets, that's part of my heart in trying to write these articles is to say um, it's a little too simplistic for us just to say, don't use the terminology at all whatsoever, because. Um, that's where we are. I mean, like it or not, the terminology is being used mm-hmm. that way. Um, and uh, the populace determines the usage of, of terminology. So as much as we may want to fight against it and uh, offer something better, um, if the rest of American Christianity is using it in these ways, uh, we should know how to respond well, I think.
0: That's, and that's true. It's good to know... Um, okay, people are using this term. Let's try to identify what they mean. However, if you're talking to somebody who is has labeled the experience that they're going through as deconstruction, is there a better term based in the category? Um I, I we we were talking a couple weeks ago, a month ago about uh, how how oftentimes uh, people we respect in church history we're very good at using very precise language. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that we oftentimes in 21st century Christianity fail to do yeah. is use precise language. Um, so if you could encourage somebody who is self-labeled deconstructing, um, what how, how would you encourage them to, should they continue to use that term with qualifiers? Should they use different terms? What are your thoughts there?
1: Yeah, I think... Um What we need to do, first of all, is ask more questions to get a good understanding of exactly how they're using the terminology. And depending on, um, and and maybe this is where I hope and pray that these categories are somewhat helpful for uh, followers of Christ and church leaders to sort of help them uh, think in terms of, okay, where is this person at in their walk with Christ and their struggle at the present moment. And then based on that, uh, there can be a number of different terms that might be more precise about what is actually taking place. So uh, you mentioned uh, an individual who grew up in a very legalistic household and, and um, was attempting to uh, understand that heritage in light of scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, another one we could talk about is um, individuals who grew up with the baggage of culture that has added to the scriptures. And uh, so we could think of this in terms of usually these are individuals in the first or second category who are in the process of, to put it very precisely, kind of uh Deconstructing their culture or deculturalizing mm. or disinculturalizing themselves, um, meaning what are the things that are um, uh, prevalent in 21st century United States of America or the Western world that are not, um, do not coincide with Scripture and yet are a part of everyday American culture. Christianese, right? Um, that we that we should be sort of shedding, looking at, and saying, are these really biblical? Are these scriptural? Um, and so, it's perfectly appropriate to look at cultural practices and say, uh, are these the best in light of God's word? Do these coincide well with God's word? Um, We could also look at the individual like myself who was looking at their church tradition looking at questions about doctrine and seeking to understand better why they were doing what they were doing and then uh, altering their thinking based on the word of god as simply reformation in the Mm -hmm. spiritual life or spiritual reformation as a way to think about that you're you're not really um Sure, you're deconstructing in the sense that you might be taking some things down, but really what you're doing is more of a remodeling work than a mm-hmm. new construction work, right? To, to use um, construction terminology, which I know just a tiny little bit about. <laughs> um, so I, I think there's value, even like a refining of mm. faith. Um, so spiritual reformation, I think, is is really a better qualification to refer to the first category, at least. The biblical terms, of course, I think are simply transformation, Romans 12, and sanctification, which is used all over the New Testament for um, the um, uh, progressive transformation of the believer into more and more the image of of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So these are some of the terms that I would offer. I know they're not as trendy, <laughs> and in some ways as exciting as uh, maybe hopping on board the deconstruction train, but just because everybody else is using it a specific way doesn't mean you have to, too. Um, you don't have to follow uh, the rest of the um, sheep, so to speak.
0: <laughs> um, As we think about relating to those who are deconstructing or have Mm -hmm. deconstructed uh, as as we, especially with how popular this term is and how is, you know, I think about some of these, some articles that I've read where they just say, don't deconstruct, stay away from it. And they, they, they paint it with a, with a broad black brush. Mm -hmm. And I, I agree with you. I totally appreciate the heart behind that because what they're saying is don't apostatize, don't entertain this thought of, Tearing down your Christian faith and and then having nothing and as a result walking away yeah. uh, but I sometimes I wonder if the person in category one or two re- sits down and reads that article they don't necessarily feel cared for or they right. sure. I don't know if that's a helpful thing for them so how do we relate to people kind of in all the categories who are deconstructing or deconstructed
1: yeah, yeah. I, I mean a big part of my My sort of thesis in the article is really geared toward followers of Christ. Don't jump the gun in regards to other people. When you hear them use, if someone comes to you and says, yeah, I've been deconstructing my faith, um, don't have a knee-jerk reaction, say like, oh, you apostate, I'm (laughs) out of here. Or uh, even the other extreme, though, to say, you know, oh, come here and let me, I mean— You should seek more information Mm -hmm. from the individual about what they actually mean by that and then attempt to uh, counsel and come alongside them based on where they're at in that experience. I sort of at the end of the article, I used the analogy of um, what if I were to uh, counsel an individual in the first or second category with the same advice that I would give to someone who's clearly deconverted or apostatized from the faith. Um, That would be very unfortunate, probably Mm -hmm. tragic, very detrimental for that individual, I think. So we really need to be careful in the way that we communicate, um, even in the second category, as, as we were talking about with doubt earlier, um, not giving the impression that, you know, doubt is not necessarily something that you need to be ashamed of or feel guilty of in your Christian life. It happens. You, you experience it. But at the same time, you don't need to wallow in it. You don't need to embrace it as like the normative mm. um Uh, An ongoing experience of the Christian life. Um, You should uh, assess and analyze doubts through the lens of Scripture and the Word of God, and then uh, move from a place of doubt to a place of confident trust in in the Lord. And sometimes helping someone do that is not an easy process. It can be a lengthy um, uh, process. So these are very complex issues here. Well, one thing I do want to say, though, another reason why I'm, I'm hesitant to really get on board the deconstruction train, and I, I use that sort of <laughs> tongue-in-cheek, but there are some who are really like, gun ho this is deconstruction is normal in the Christian life. It, it, everyone should be doing this uh, throughout their Christian lives. Well, again, if you're, if you're saying that in the sense of, refining, reforming your faith. In other words, examining all of your beliefs and practices consistently in light of Scripture. I'm all about that, and that's fine. Um, If your intent by that is to sort of align yourself uh, with certain ideological positions, which it seems like many individuals who advocate for those types of things will will be pushing that way. I, I get very leery of that. Anyway, all of this to say, uh, one of the reasons why I am hesitant to use the terminology is because of the glamorization, mm. the romanticization of the way that really deconversionists talk about the process that they went to that led them to what what we would call apostasy. And um, so looking at that, sometimes the the language that they use of deconstruction there um, highlights uh, something very tragic in their life, but ultimately something that's sinful. I mean, unbelief at its core, is sin mm. against God. It's being presented with the reality of truth in Christ and saying, that's that's not true, that's a lie. And so aligning yourself, either consciously or unconsciously, knowingly or unknowingly, with those who... Um, lift up these types of experiences as I went through this and this is, you know, I came out the other side and I no longer believe in Christ or Christianity and I am much better off for it. Uh, Why would I want to do that Mm -hmm. as a follower of Christ? Why would I want to have anything to do that? And so my question for those genuine followers of Christ who want to advocate for the use of this type of language is, what is the good that comes from it? Um, what is ultimately beneficial by using this terminology that cannot be accomplished through the use of other terminology? I'm sorry, I'll stop no, preaching that's, at you. No, that's good. That's good. Uh, you, you said something
0: earlier just real briefly that I, I thought was really good. And, and you said that uh, essentially, ultimately, if this is making you, if whatever you're going through is making you more biblical, mm-hmm. it's making you more like Christ— then that's a good thing, and that yeah. would be a category one. That yeah. that that is yeah. sanctification, that's transformation. It's it's making you reflect who Christ is, right. and you're living that out, and yeah. you're shedding things that are ultimately, as a result, sinful.
1: I feel like we're talking about hurricanes <laughs> here. You're category one, category two. Oh, <laughs> um, oh man! Sometimes deconstruction is like a hurricane. I'm,
0: but uh so you know ultimately to me at the end of the day that seems like a really good test of you know this this experience that you're going through is it is it making you more like Christ is it making you more biblical yeah or is it taking you away from that um and if it is, I agree what maybe maybe using better terminology to not align yourself with these people who are making it so glamorous right um is really good well thank you thank you for ha- coming on we're, we're yeah. Happy to have you. I'm sure that we will uh, have you on again. My pleasure. Next time you get worked up about
1: something. Yeah. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, JJ.
0: Thank you for listening to Concerning Him, an Emmaus podcast. Ministries like Concerning Him are possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu slash partner